episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast is brought to you by my friends at SeedsHereNow.com. SeedsHereNow.com offers seeds from all of the industry's leading breeders and is the only official home of Swamp Boys Genetics. Everything at SeedsHereNow.com is backed by an award-winning satisfaction guarantee. And for my friends on a tight budget, SeedsHereNow.com offers several packs for under $30 as well as amazing monthly sales. Make sure to use coupon code GFYH10 while checking out to save a few bucks. Again, that is coupon code GFYH10 while checking out at SeedsHereNow.com. Yeah, welcome to the show, podcast world. I'm your host, my friends call me Rasta Jeff, and this is episode 672 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, I'm going to do a little recap from a previous episode, then I'm going to read a couple of grow questions. Before we get to that part of the show, let's do a few shoutouts to a few of those great folks who support the show on Patreon. Let's start off with the big Grow From Your Heart podcast. Thank you, shout out to my buddy, the Uber driver, Uncle Adam. Let's send a big thank you shout out to the LARF Night Rises. Let's send a thank you shout out to Growing Tennessee. I want to send a big fist bump and a thank you shout out to Brian P. Let's send a special thank you shout out to Justin C. Let's send a big fist bump to Noah N. I want to send a big thank you shout out to my buddy ADHD Grower. Let's send a fist bump and a thank you shout out to Grow Man Stan. And then let's wrap it all up with the big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to my buddy Stoner Dave. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need is right there on the screen and you know I do include a link in the show notes and the video description to make it nice and easy for all of my friends. I do want to give a shout out to all of the people with the super cool and creative names. I was writing podcast episodes today, scrolling through Patreon, taking names off one screen, putting them onto another to get them here into the show. Uh, There are some great creative names in this month's Patreon campaign. I'm going to get to say a bunch of funny, goofy shit. Big shout out, you guys. I love the creativity. Uh, the The LARF Night Rises is pretty fucking cool. All right, let's keep myself on track because I am stoned. And we know how I can get off track. This is the part of the show where I invite you to join the Discord server. There are about 1,200 people hanging out on the Discord server right now. We're having a good time over there. Uh, There's a live chat where people are hanging out. Uh, There are a lot of text chats where people are hanging out. There are waffles. There are actions. And just the other morning, I logged in to uh, go jump into the live video chat. And they were doing stoner yoga. They had a real yoga teacher. Uh, doing real legit yoga. So you can be in the privacy of your own home and you can do stoner yoga with the Irie Army. So if you're interested in joining the Discord, you don't have to do yoga, but you're cordially invited to the yoga. Jump in, join the Grow From Your Heart podcast, Irie Genetics Discord channel. There's a link, of course, in the show notes and the video description, and I will pop it up right here on the screen when I do some editing. So there you go, Discord, join us. It's a good time. I do pop into the live chat quite often, hang out. Sometimes when I'm just packing up seeds, I'll sit there. I got my head down, but I got my AirPods in and I'm just packing up seeds and talking to the crew. I need someone to hang out with sometimes. 
I decided to go to the Discord channel and hang out with the crew. Shout out to everybody over there hanging out right now, keeping me entertained. Sometimes I just pop in and take dabs and I say, I'm going to go hang out in the Discord for a minute or five and it ends up being 55 minutes to maybe 100 minutes. You never know how it goes with me. All right, I am stoned and rambly. Let's keep me moving. The next portion of the show is uh, not the best news. I do have some terrible bad news. I hate these parts of the podcast. Uh, I've been talking about the Endo Expo quite a bit. The Endo Expo is the world's largest indoor cultivation uh, expo. It is a cultivation expo. It's focused on hemp and cannabis. A lot of the leading nutrient companies, a lot of the leading uh, light companies, uh, any innovative company and brand and product that is trying to put themselves into the market or advertise in the cannabis and hemp space comes to the Endo Expo. A lot of your favorite breeders would normally be at the Endo Expo. Uh, I usually have a booth at the Endo Expo. I've paid for a booth. And at this time, I do not know if the Denver Endo Expo is happening. Unfortunately, uh, Chris, the owner of the Endo Expo, passed away suddenly. It was not expected. Uh, I guess no death is expected. But rest in peace, Chris. Uh, You will be missed. He did a great service to the industry and the community. But the owner of the Endo Expo has passed away at this time. Uh, The Endo Expo is up in the air. The Chicago show was canceled. Uh, the Denver show is up in the air. Nobody will give anybody a heads up, any details or anything. I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say, so I won't say too much here on the show, but I don't have anybody to contact for the Endo Expo anymore. They are not responding to emails. Nothing is happening. So if you're making plans to travel across the country, across the world, I've got friends. This is why I'm saying this. Uh, I've got friends that were planning to travel from uh, across the country or across the world, from other countries, from all over the country to Denver for the Endo Expo in the middle of winter. They're making a big adventure, a big trek, and big plans. I'm giving you a heads up and warning. If you are planning on attending the Denver Endo Expo, you're spending money, making plans, putting energy and effort into that, you may want to put all of that shit on hold until further notice. I do not know if the Endo Expo will happen. I'm trying to do a positive service. I'm not trying to start rumors, talk shit, create any sort of thing like that. I'm letting my friends and the community know. Uh, You guys are my crew. It's important that everybody knows the Endo Expo may not happen. If you're spending money, putting energy and effort into that, slow down. Don't waste your time, energy, money, effort. It may not even happen. So uh, unfortunately, there was a death. There's nothing we can do about that. We have to Uh, give the family time and space and let them handle all of their stuff, then the business will come uh, whenever they care to deal with the business. Right now, obviously, it's not the time. Uh, When the time comes, they will do that. So uh, I'm not talking any trash. I'm not creating any drama. I'm letting you know, don't spend your money, your energy yet, because you might buy buy a plane ticket, book a hotel room, uh, might buy a new banner and a bunch of special packaging, and it might be a waste of time. So don't do that just yet. I'll try to keep you updated as soon as I know something. Again, though, truly, honestly, rest in peace, Chris. I don't want to make this sound like I'm bashing anybody. Uh, The man is gone. There's a lot of grieving to be done, uh, but also business needs to be mentioned. So uh, mixed emotions, mixed things going on there. Now let's segue into a different part of the podcast. If you're watching on that camera, booyah, you notice I'm wearing a brand new blue raspberry truffle t-shirt. That's right. I've got the iReGenetics blue raspberry truffle t-shirt on. I'm going to move the iPad out of the way here just so you can get a good sweet view of that. That's right. It's got the blue raspberry truffle logo on there. If you've bought, uh, if you've purchased blue raspberry truffle seeds uh, recently, they've been sold out for a minute, but if you got some of the last batch, they did come in this packaging, uh, the packaging, the shirt and the sticker all match. I've got a t-shirt, a sticker and a package for it now. Uh, you know, a strain sticks around once I do that. There are only a few of those, the Orange Gasm, Lemon Jeffrey, uh, the Golden Goat. Those all have shirts and stickers and custom packaging. The Arise has a custom shirt, sticker, and package. And now, welcome Blue Raspberry Truffle to that gang. 
uh, you can get yours. Where I'm headed with this is if you would like to dress like me and be like one of the cool kids, you can grab your blue raspberry truffle shirt. Uh, you can even get an orange gasm hoodie or an orange gasm t-shirt. There are uh, four styles of grinders. There were three. I recently added a brand new design of the grinders onto the website. Also, there are three different designs of rolling trays. So if you need to get some uh, rolling trays or some merch, visit the website, iriegenetics.com. You will find a link on there that says Irie Web Store. Get yourself to the web store. When you check out, do use the coupon code. It is podcast10. When you use that coupon code podcast10, you will save 10%. And of course, every order over $30 does get free shipping off the website. And of course, this is on the merchandise, the shirts, the stickers, the coffee cups. Uh, there are rolling trays, grinders. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff on there and new stuff coming. I've ordered a lot of things, but during these times, it takes a long time for merchandise to be manufactured. Big shout out to those companies who make my stuff super quickly. You impress me sometimes. Uh, I'm still waiting on some things. Some people got their stuff here super fast. You know who you are. Uh, but I've got a lot of great merch coming. The merch I'm talking about that I'm giving you the coupon code. Uh, if you go to the iRe Genetics website, you click on that web store. It says the iRe Merch Store, the iRe Store. That takes you to the store there where there are shirts and things available. That is where the coupon code PODCAST10 will work for you. Also, uh, orders over $30 there will get free shipping. So keep that in mind. That'll help you out a little bit. Coupon code PODCAST10, save 10%. Spend 30 bucks and get free shipping. Those two things do stack up. So you can get the free shipping and save 10%. <clears throat> also, by the time this episode comes out, seedsherenow.com should have a pretty fresh restock of iRe Genetics. Make sure you check out seedsherenow.com and use coupon code GFYH10. That will save you 10% at seedsherenow.com. All right, now let's move into the main part of this podcast. I feel like I've paid all the bills, done all of the housekeeping. Let's get to the part that you signed in for the main topic of today's podcast. In the previous episode, I talked about bud washing. That was a process, a practice of dunking our buds into a solution of water and maybe possibly hydrogen peroxide in an effort to clean those buds of any uh, contaminants that may have stuck to those buds, whether it was dust, powdery mildew, uh, we talked about bird poop and bug poop, anything that may have gathered on those buds during their process. I said this was doable on indoor and outdoor greenhouse gardens. You can do this on just about any grow. Then I realized as I was watching the video and doing some editing, I should have mentioned that you can do the same type of process while the plants are growing. While the plants are still growing, alive, happening, you can treat them with the same type of solution. If you do encounter a powdery mildew situation in your indoor grow environment, of course, the first step is to find what is causing that powdery mildew. It's probably a vapor pressure deficit issue, a VPD issue. You probably have either too high or too low of humidity, too high or too low of heat, or possibly insufficient airflow. Those are most common causes of powdery mildew. So we need to diagnose and correct the cause of the powdery mildew. The first thing you're going to do is freak out and want to fix the plants, which sounds good. But uh, if you don't fix the cause, if, even if you fix the plants, it's coming back in a few days. So you could do everything you could. You could polish every single leaf. But if you don't cure the room, correct the issue, find a good solution, or find a very good preventative measure that you can apply other than the room, then you're going to keep getting it. So let me segue into talking about how to treat with a hydrogen peroxide or H2O2 solution for powdery mildew. First step, of course, is to figure out why you're getting it. 
try to correct the room. That is going to be your own adventure. You're going to have to correct that. Maybe add some airflow, maybe add some fans, correct your VPD. Do you have too much humidity? Do you have too much heat? Do you have too much cool? Do you have big swings? When the lights come on, lights go off. Uh, Are you getting big humidity swings, humidity spikes, humidity drops? Are you getting crazy swings uh, during the night and during the day? Are your temperature swings drastic during the night, during the day? If you can get everything sort of more stabilized, that will prevent the production and development of powdery mildew. Uh, giving so there are a lot of different types of powdery mildew so some people will say keep it more dry keep it more humid keep it warmer keep it cooler unfortunately there's a type of powdery mildew for all conditions if the plants can live in there and thrive in there so can the powdery mildew so can the bugs so can all the other shit they all love the same thing that's just how nature works Uh, wherever you want to put on flip-flop sunglasses take off your shirt wear some shorts and have a good time So do the plants, so do the bugs, so does the powdery mildew. It loves all the same shit as us. The thing that brings it on the most is those crazy drastic changes and improper VPD. Now let me focus in on how to take care of it. Let's say you see some powdery mildew happening. Let's say it's getting a little thick on the leaves. We got a couple of options. In the last episode, I talked about using 30% hydrogen peroxide. H2O2 is very similar. I believe they will work at the same uh, rates and same consistencies, and they'll work at the same efficacy as the word I'm searching for in my head as I ramble my way to it. Uh, So hydrogen peroxide and H2O2 will work just as well. The good hydrogen peroxide, the 30%, not the stuff from Walmart. You've got to get the good stuff. They may sell the 30% at Walmart by now. Who knows? But the good shit, the stuff you normally buy, I think is 3%. So you've got to get the Uh, better stuff. And when you use either of these products, here comes the dad in me, here comes the pesticide trainer in me. Make sure that you use the proper protective personal equipment when you are using these products. They're both caustic. They'll burn your skin. They'll burn your fingers. They'll burn the living shit out of your eyes. I know you're saying you're going to put these on the plants. Yes, we're going to dilute it very heavily. So when you're using these bottles, these products, please wear gloves and wear goggles or some sort of eye protection. Most of you are going to ignore the eye protection. Please do it, but please for sure at least wear gloves when you're mixing and applying this product. In the last episode, I focused mostly on the hydrogen peroxide and H2O2 because those are what I would recommend for a bud wash. If we're going to harvest the plants, dunk them into a product, and then they're going to dry and basically be cured and smoked pretty soon from there. That's why I was recommending the H2O2 and the hydrogen peroxide. Those products dissipate, evaporate. They don't stick around very long. They're gone from your plants quite quickly, so they're safe to consume. They don't leave any residue, any aroma. You'll never know they were there. Uh, So that's why I was recommending those. Those are very good to use as a preventative and corrective spray as well. So you see the powdery mildew coming, you can hit it with the H2O2 or the hydrogen peroxide. I would start with approximately 10 to 15 milliliters per gallon, then work your way up. I did say to use about 50 mils, I think, per five gallon of water last time. Honestly, the way that I measure it in a commercial grow is I fill up a few five gallon buckets and I put just a couple of bloops in there. The bottle goes bloop. Bloop, bloop. That's my measurement. One bloop. If it's really bad, put a couple of bloops in there. If you've worked with me, you know for sure that's my unit of measurement. Just a couple of bloops per bottle. Don't do glugs, just a couple of bloops. Glug, glug, that's too much. Bloop, that's enough. I, when you do it, you're going to go, oh, that's a couple of bloops, and it's enough. You'll figure it out. Uh, start low, go stronger. Uh, go until the powdery mildew is dissolving, but don't bleach the plants. And be careful when you're doing this. Increase slowly. So, Uh, Mix up the hydrogen peroxide or the H2O2. Don't mix them together. 
Uh, mix that up into your uh, water and then spray that onto the plants and just spray it directly onto the powdery mildew. Try to wash it off. This product will dissolve the powdery mildew at the same time as washing it off. At the same time, you're washing off all the other dirt and contaminants that may have gathered up on these plants. You're just giving them a nice little peroxide bath. And this is not going to damage. We have diluted the caustic products to a level to where they are not going to damage the plants, but they will damage the powdery mildew. The mildew is much uh, uh, it's weaker than the trichomes, the terps, anything else in there. And those products are the trichomes are protecting everything that we don't want destroyed. The powdery mildew will get decimated by these products. <clears throat> so start off with around 15 milliliters per gallon of water. Work your way up if necessary. I've gone pretty hard. I'm not going to encourage you to go too hard. Now, I was focused on those other two products because I was doing the bud wash. Let's talk about some products that we can use as a preventative and as corrective sprays. You can mix the following products together, but do not mix them with the peroxide or the H2O2. The following products I'm going to talk about would be destroyed by the H2O2 or the hydrogen peroxide. You can possibly switch hydrogen peroxide with Xerotol in most cases as well. Let me throw that in there. I forgot to mention uh, Xerotol is a good product. Let me get back on track. Don't mix the hydrogen peroxide, Xerotol, or H2O2 with the following products, but do mix the following products in any way you'd like. I think they will work great together in many combos uh, or by themselves or in rotations. Um, so let's talk about them. A few products I like for powdery mildew and fungicide and mold control in an indoor environment, a greenhouse environment, or outdoor is a product called Cease. Cease is very cost effective. I don't have a bottle of Cease near me. I should have researched to see what was in there. It is a beneficial bacteria that will gather on your leaf when you spray it, and it outbattles the powdery mildew. And this uh, beneficial bacteria does no harm to the plant. It doesn't hurt us or anything, but it does make it undesirable for powdery mildew. So you've laid a protective layer over your plants by applying cease. Another great product that does a very similar thing is double nickel. You can apply double nickel and cease each at 45 milliliters per gallon of water. Both of these products are approved by the Colorado Department of Agriculture for use in the production of recreational and medical cannabis. So uh, cease and double nickel, you can use those in a commercial environment or in your personal grow. They will work great for the powdery mildew. Um, other things you can use, a product called Regalia is great for powdery mildew. And then also sometimes you can use Grandivo, but Grandivo kind of makes a mess and I would use the other three products first. So Cease, Double Nickel, and Regalia are the three things I would recommend for your powdery mildew problem. If it's getting out of hand, if it's getting thick, if it's getting chunky, hit it with hydrogen peroxide, H2O2, or Xerotol. But that will destroy the colonies of beneficial bacteria you have built up with the cease, the double nickel, the regalia, and the grandivo. So that is kind of a final resort sort of a thing, or that's a uh, panic mode or a holy shit, this is thick and it looks like frosted donuts in here sort of attack. But the H2O2, Xerotol, hydrogen peroxide will work. One of those, don't, don't triple double up on those products. Just use one of those. They're caustic. Uh, they will dissolve the powdery mildew. It's all you need. Excuse me for the kombucha burps, you guys. I'll get that under control. I won't drink kombucha before the next episode. Um, so other things that we need to do, we're going to apply either preventative or corrective sprays. We're going to start off with things like cease and double nickel or regalia, 
And then if it gets too out of control, we'll step up our game and use hydrogen peroxide, H2O2, or Xerotol. <clears throat> the good thing about the cease and the double nickel is in most cases, if you are using beneficial insects, they will not destroy your beneficial insects. The hydrogen peroxide and H2O2 is really going to piss off the beneficial insects. Cease and double nickel, they should stick around. The regalia, I can't testify. I do not know what the regalia will do to your beneficials. I have not tried that with beneficials in the same mix. The cease and double nickel, I've done that with Swarovski's, Persimilis, Hypoaspis Miles, Green Lace Wings. Uh, I've done it with all those guys still around, and they survive and live through it. It doesn't disrupt them. Uh, so that's the cease and double nickel that you can do with the beneficial bugs. Now, other things that we can do, uh, we've got to put some work into this. You're going to have to correct the room. Then, uh, before we spray, why not defoliate? If we just go in there and take off most of the leaves, if those leaves aren't there, they can't be problematic. Let me back up. Uh, it's We know what time it is. Put on a mask. You should probably already have a mask, right? It's in the car. It's in your pocket. Grab a mask. Put on a mask. Let's not fuck with this powdery mildew too heavily without a mask. Maybe a little bit, but if the powdery mildew is getting funky, if it's getting thick, why not put on a mask? You might not want to breathe it. Just put on a little, just a C-word mask. I don't want to say it. I don't want to get us in that category on YouTube, but just put on a light mask just to cover it up so you aren't breathing the dust because you're going to jostle those leaves, rattle the leaves. You'll have it on your fingers. Let's just try not to inhale too much of that powdery mildew. Let's put on a mask. Uh, definitely put on some gloves so you don't have sticky hands and powdery mildew fingers. And let's defoliate any leaf that has got some frosting on it. Just go ahead and feel free to pull it off. Why not? Those leaves are contributing to the overhumid condition in the room. Those leaves are where the powder, powdery mildew is hiding. If there are no camping spots, there are no hippies camping. So get rid of the camping spots. You won't have spots. If there are no donuts, there's no powdered sugar, bro. Get rid of all those spots is really what I'm trying to say. So get rid of all that powdery mildew stuff. Put that in a trash bag. Burn the shit. No, you don't have to burn it. Get rid of it. Put it in the trash. Get that stuff out of the grow as quickly as possible. Seal it up. Get it gone. Um, then after we've defoliated, then spray at that point. Then spray the room. Follow the appropriate instructions on the container of whichever product you choose to spray. And keep in mind, if you spray indoors, add two hours to the re-entry interval time because some of those products, you don't want to go in the room too early. They're expecting wind and sun to help break that down. You don't have that in the grow space. Add two hours. Then uh, ventilate the room. If we are spraying for powdery mildew, these products, all of the products which I've listed, we don't need those to stay wet for very long. We want to hit the plant and get the plants dry. So don't put fans on them and dry them rapidly, but let's dry them naturally, slowly. Get ventilation in there. Get some air movement in there. We don't want hurricane-like conditions, but we want some movement, some airflow. We don't want crazy fucking rustling leaves, but we want like movement on the leaves. We want them rustling and not fucking, we want them jostling and not rustling. You know what I'm saying, right? Don't, don't fucking go in there and destroy the grow now. Just go in there and blow around a little bit and get it drying. Blow dry its hair just a little tiny bit. Get it cleaned up, but don't give it an opportunity to build mildew with the moisture you just fucking sprayed in there. Uh, most of the products I mentioned... Uh, definitely the peroxide, the H2O2 and the Xerotol. You can spray those three uh, the day of harvest. You could spray those all the way up to harvest. We're going to do a bud wash with those anyway, so don't be afraid to use those all the way up to the very end. Cease and double nickel, you can use those quite late in flower. They're not going to disrupt the flavor of your buds. They're not going to cause any problems with your product. I think those will work well. The Regalia and Grandivo, I can't testify to using those very late. I would use those very early in flower if it were up to me. So we're going to 
defoliate, we're going to spray, we're going to ventilate the room, we're going to get the room dry. While we're doing this, we're going to wear a mask and gloves. We're also going to put on some good music and spread some good vibes. Uh, then spray when the lights are off or the sun is down. Don't spray with the lights on. Don't spray with the sun up. This will cause you some problems. Um, a lot of little boys remember burning ants with a magnifying glass or doing some, maybe you burned leaves. I don't know what you burned, but we did some experiments in science class when we were kids. We had a magnifying glass and the sun would hit it just right. And you could move that fucker around and you could catch shit on fire. Just think about the grow light or the sun hitting a little droplet. Those grow lights are super close to your uh, to your plants in some cases, especially some of those new LEDs. I've seen plants get little burns from it. Some people say it doesn't happen. Some people say it's impossible. I think it's very likely. I think I've seen it happen and it grows. So spray when the lights are off or when the sun is down, uh, if possible, please. All right. Uh, I think that covers my uh, recap of treating powdery mildew, some stuff that I should have talked about in the last episode. Honestly, the main thing, you guys, is to correct the room. Have some sort of monitors in there. Um, and on, Oh, another thing, uh, the products I listed. Nobody's paying me to talk about those products. Nobody pays me to talk about Cease Double Nickel, Regalia, Grandivo, uh, H2O2, Zerotol. Nobody paid me for any of that. So um, that's something important that I think I should say. I was on the track to saying something else. I don't even know what the fuck it was. Oh, the most important part, have some monitors in there, uh, so that you know what's happening. Is it too humid in there? Is it too hot in there? I don't care if you use a pulse monitor, if you use a PL grow unit, uh, minder unit. I don't care if you got a little kid in there taking notes all, I do care if you put a little kid in there. All right, let's be real. Uh, maybe if you have an adult that's paid hourly on a living wage and is giving meal breaks, if they're in there, I don't know, if, if you got a helper monkey in there that's reading a thermometer and writing down the hourly notes and just keeping track of it, maybe. have some way of knowing what's going on in your grow when you're not there. Are you using a PL minder unit? Are you using a pulse monitor unit? What do you have in there letting you know what the conditions are like when you are away? Are there drastic humidity or temperature changes during your nighttime cycle? Are there drastic heat spikes or humidity spikes during your daytime cycle? Is something going awry at a switch? That's where things really go weird is when you flip from day to night or night to day is when you see drastic temperature and humidity fluctuations. Those are the things that are going to cause, trigger, influence, and continue, perpetuate your powdery mildew situation. So have something in there letting you know what is going on. You might not even know that uh, it's getting 90% humidity right when the lights go off. Maybe you need to get a blower or an extractor fan and hook that up. And that way, when the lights go off, that can run for 30 minutes. Or they sell another device that plugs into the wall. This piece itself plugs into the wall. It's got a meter on it. And you tell it when it hits whatever percent humidity, you set it to a meter. And when it hits that percent, it triggers on and the power comes on. So you just plug your exhaust fan into that. You hang the sensor in the middle of the room. When it hits 70% humidity, this thing goes, I'm supposed to turn on. It powers electricity to your extraction fan and it sucks out some humidity until that sensor says, oh, it's 69% humidity. I can turn off because he wants it at 70. And that thing clicks off and it keeps you at 70 or below. You could set it at whatever you want. Uh, most of the time, those are a cap switch or something similar to that. Maybe that is your solution. Maybe a dehumidifier on the same type of switch maybe both. Uh, there are a lot of options for fixing humidity and powdery mildew, but the main thing is correct the room. And how do you know if something's wrong in the room? Well, we know because we've got powdery mildew, but how do we know when and how to correct it if we don't have some kind of meter? So if you want to win your battle with powdery mildew, the first thing to do is to fix the room. I would recommend some sort of monitoring device to monitoring device to let you know what is going on in that room. It doesn't have to be something super expensive. Of course, like a 
PL Grow Minder unit, a pulse monitor, something in that same realm would be beautiful, would be excellent. Or you can get one of those hygrometers, thermometers with the, it just keeps records for you. It shows you what the high and what the low was. Those will work, but how do you know when that happened? <clears throat> so something a little more high tech that you can keep some data would be ideal, but get what's in your budget and get what is within your technical means. I understand some people are not highly technical these days. Some of us just want to go in the garden and get dirt under our nails and grow weed. Don't want to worry about too much monitors and stuff. Get what you're comfortable with because we do need to know what is going on in the grow. All right. I think that wraps up my powdery mildew recap section of this podcast. I do have a couple of great questions here in front of me. This message came from our friend Fat Ankle Foot, and it goes a little bit like this. It says, hey, Rasta Jeff, thank you for all you do. I have a question on reading the pesticide labels correctly. That is always a good question. It says, first off, is an indoor grow facility considered a greenhouse, a nursery, or neither? You know, I'm not an expert on that part. I guess I've been trained by the Department of Ag, and I never asked that question. Uh, I think when they wrote the pesticide bottles, I honestly don't think they have indoor cultivation in mind. That's why I always add that disclaimer to add two hours to your re-entry interval time because uh, it is a little bit different than all of the above. It's kind of, it's new. It's They didn't expect us to put a bunch of lights in a warehouse. So I don't think those companies thought of that when they wrote those labels, which uh, I'm going to get off on a side tangent here. That caused a lot of controversy when it came to deciding which pesticides we could use in Colorado because there are a lot of weird things written on those bottles and none of the stuff specified uh, what could be smoked. None of it was designed for smokable products, really. Uh, some of it probably was stuff for tobacco and things. None of it was designed for cannabis. So we had to kind of develop rules here with the Department of Ag and the Colorado Marijuana Enforcement Division and the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment uh, and citizens and growers and cultivators and industry leaders and uh, all kinds of people got together and made a bunch of rules on what pesticides and what the fundamentals of what pesticides would be allowed in commercial production. So those rules didn't exist. They had to kind of create those rules. Now, I, I could be completely wrong that your indoor grow it sounds like a nursery to me, but when I think of nursery, I'm thinking like outdoors with a lot of airflow. There's a couple of nurseries in my neighborhood, and they don't look anything like any indoor commercial environment I've ever been in. So I'm going to say it's not any of those, dude. It's indoor. Uh, is indoor considered a greenhouse or nursery or neither? I guess neither is going to be my answer. It's kind of a hybrid, dude. Uh, they, Like I said, they didn't expect this. This is a whole new thing. Uh, those pesticides were written uh, before indoor cannabis cult. Uh, before they were allowed to discuss indoor cannabis cultivation, they knew it was happening. They knew we were going to use it, but they were just like, what do you mean they grow weed with this? And they just acted totally like it wasn't happening because they couldn't be involved. So that's a really good question. And I wish I had more uh, of an educated answer to that. But honestly, I don't think they had uh, indoor cultivation in mind when they started writing pesticide labels. Maybe they do now, but I don't think they did then. Now, there's more to this. It says, my boss and I are having disagreements on your evergreen information. Would you be able to clarify this? I hope so, buddy. Let's try not to get you fired. Let's get you a raise and leave everybody as friends at the end of this. Would you be able to clarify this? Yes, I will do my best. It says, uh, I'm trying to use the evergreen concentrate product on our plants. We have a root aphid problem. Okay, that's going to work. It says, my boss says, we would only be able to use one ounce per 2,460 square feet because 
On the inside of the pesticide label, it does recommend and limit how much you should use per square foot when you are applying this pesticide. But what they are talking about is a canopy size space. You are treating the root zone, which is a completely different ballgame, a different plan of attack, a different method. Uh, you're playing by different rules, doing a different thing. So they're talking about the rules of baseball. We're playing football. They're talking about leaf ball. We're playing dirt ball here. So let's change the rules a little bit, but I do want to continue with reading. It says, my uh, my boss says we can only use one ounce per uh, 2,460 square feet. We would be drenching into five-gallon pots. So you're going to need a lot. It goes on. It says, 15 milliliters per gallon at 150 gallons is 50 ounces. Also, how does square footage translate when using pots? It doesn't. Uh, this is two totally different things. That uh, 2,460 square feet that you guys were talking about, that is canopy space. This is root zone space. This is a different thing. You are not spray applying. Uh, you are mixing as a soil dredge. This is a different thing, a different application, a different purpose, a different use, a different plan of attack. Uh, while I'm on that ramble, do both. When you were doing the soil dredge, also do a foliar spray. Just hit both. Uh, that way, any bugs that are living down in the roots, they're going to try to climb up into your bush, uh, into your canopy. Uh, that way, you've already hit there too. They have nowhere to go. Anything that's living in the bushy canopy part is going to move right back down into the soil, and they're going to go, fuck it, sucks here, and they're just going to die or move. They're going to pack up and get the fuck out of there. So um, it doesn't translate. To the best of my knowledge, best of my ability, best of my training, there's no translation. It's two different things. So it says, I hope the message is clear. Yeah, the message is clear. Um, this was a very good conversation. I hope this was a very good conversation between uh, your boss and whoever else was involved in this conversation. It does say there's three people here. I hope this was very friendly. I hope I contributed some useful information. Uh, it's not a greenhouse. It's not a nursery. It's an indoor grow facility. And I really don't think they had that in mind when they wrote your rules. And then uh, how does it translate? It doesn't. It's two different things. Go ahead and do your root drench at the recommended rate of 15 mils per gallon, but also do a spray around the same dosage up top also at the same time. Fat Anklefoot wraps up the message by saying the first rule for using pesticides is read the fucking label. The problem is we've the problem we face here was three people read the label and we've got three different answers. I do appreciate that there was a good debate in that grow space, in that office space. Uh, I hope I have solved the problem. I hope I have given you some useful information. Um, I'm glad that there was a great debate and I'm glad you guys are talking. That means there's some educated, smart people in there. Uh, nobody was right. Nobody was wrong. Uh, but let me know who was right and who was wrong. I do appreciate that three people in that cultivation read the pesticide booklet because that means that uh, it's probably three more people read that pesticide booklet than a lot of cultivation facilities unfortunately so i'm proud and excited that you guys did that good job fist bump big ivory army salute to everybody for reading that pesticide book all right i think i wrapped up this message i do have another one i want to get to and i'm quite rambly uh this one ends up with thanks and hugs from fat ankle foot fat ankle foot big big thanks big hugs big ivory army fist bump i want to make sure i got everything Spray and drench to win were the main notes that I wrote down. All right, let's segue right into the next message. This one came from Jay Bags. This one came from the Irie Genetics website. That's right, on the Irie Genetics website, there is a Grow Help tab. If you click on the tab that says Grow Help, it will go to the Grow Help tab that asks you several preliminary questions. It asks what name to use, what strain you're using uh, or growing. Uh, if you're using uh, LEDs, HPS lights, if you're growing indoors or outdoors, what kind of medium you're using. 
asks you all kinds of useful questions to help me help you out. Uh, JBags filled out all of those questions. Uh, we don't need to talk about a lot of that stuff because he has a great question uh, that a lot of the other stuff won't matter. So we're going to skip all of his environmental stuff and get to the point. It says, the problem. I don't really have a problem, more so of a question. That's good, bro, because I have got answers. It says, I live in the Northeast. My state allows me to have 12 plants of any stage for my wife and I. I typically clone every plant I grow just in case I find a keeper. Yes, I always preach to take a clone of every plant in case you find that gem. You need it again. You don't want to be heartbroken that you found the beauty of your dreams and she got away. There will always be a story you tell. It goes on. It says, although I also like to grow perpetually using four tents. He explains a little bit of his perpetual cycle. Uh, so he describes his grow quite a bit. He talks about uh, his perpetual system. Then we get to the part here that says, I've got so many good seeds at the moment. I would like to stop cloning everything and keep growing from seeds. Then when I find a keeper, my plan is to re-veg for those clones, which does make good sense. I've done that a couple of times. Uh, because myself, I am limited on plant count, so you just flower it out, uh, cut down most of the buds, re-veg that bad dog, cut a clone off of it, throw that original plant away, your plant count never changed. It went from one to one still with that same plant. It was a big plant, now it's a clone. So it does sound like you have a sound strategy. That is the way that a lot of people do it. You grow it out, cut it down, re-veg, cut a clone, start fresh with it. That does make sense. Now here's where we get to the anomaly of this process. It says, due to the limited space, can I cut down the root ball of a mature, freshly harvested plant in order to re-veg? Then he describes in detail, uh, meaning I flower in five to seven gallon pots. Can I trim the root ball to fit into a two gallon pot with a little bit of fresh cocoa and worm castings, then begin that re-veg process? I'm familiar with the re-veg process because I've done it successfully in the past. I always kept them in very large pots. Yeah, I think that will work. You're going to have to trim down a lot of the plant. Don't leave a lot of the plant for your re-vegging. Just have two or three, maybe four or five little thumb-sized nuggets that you're re-vegging. Don't leave a lot, and this should work. It may take a little bit longer for this plant to re-veg, but it should work. It goes on to say, it would be nice if I can keep them in smaller pots long enough to snag a couple of clones, then kill off this mom. I know that's harsh. No, that's how it works. It says, but she had it coming. Yeah, she did. She had that coming from the beginning, and she should have known. And I'm just playing. It goes on to say, I dig the podcast and the help you have given me via Instagram. And then he wraps it up with this uh, Instagram name. I'm not sure if he wants that said here on the podcast. Uh, respect, if you want that said, sorry, I didn't say it. I didn't want to get you blasted because if there's no way to take it back, once I do say it, I can't correct it. Uh, it says, by the way, I know my humidity is high. I'm working on that in my grow because he did. Yeah, but uh, that's okay. No stress on the, uh, no judgment on the environment, bro. It has been 108 degrees here. So my, my, my environment is not correct either, but we struggle. We adjust, we adapt, we do what we can do. No shame in your game, brother. Do what you're doing. I get it. I get it. Life is rough right now. It was 108 degrees today. And then in like seven to 10 days, I'm going to be wearing a hoodie every day. So that's kind of shit we're growing with right now. Um, let me make sure I wrapped up all of this stuff here. Okay, there was one thing I did want to kind of recap and mention here. Your strategy is going to work. You're going to cut down that root ball real small. Also make the plant real small when you do that. So there's not a lot to support there. It'd be much better if you could have a bigger root zone. So let me give you a suggestion on possibly how to do that. Now, I do understand that you are crammed for space. And I do understand that you're crammed for plant count. And I also know you've got a perpetual grow. So I don't know how well this will work for you. Maybe you've got a veg space. 
ah, this may actually free up some space in your flower room if my idea works for you and if you understand where I'm headed with this. I have done a full podcast on returning our plants to 18.6 of lighting schedule right before harvest. So about 14 days at the most, maybe 10, 7 days before you harvest during the flush phase. If you flush, that's also controversial now. During the flush phase, I talk about turning the plants to a longer light cycle, an 18.6 cycle, basically a vegetative cycle. There's a reason for this. Light is the number one energy source for our plants. It triggers photosynthesis. It makes everything happen. So let's give it as much light as possible at the end. People are going to say that will make my plants go back into veg. Probably, but we're going to harvest in like 10 days, and we're not going to see any reveg for at least 14 days, and you can cut them down and smoke them and enjoy them anyway. If you plan on revegging, you can get ahead of the game by putting your light cycle back on 18.6, 7 to 10, maybe 12 to 14 days before you intend to harvest these plants. Uh, If they do begin to re-veg, cut them down right away, but you'll notice they may finish a little bit early. They may finish a little bit beefier because you're giving them more light, more energy right at the end. A lot of cannabis plants decide to bulk up and beef up at the end of the flowering phase. Imagine if you give them a little push, a little steroids right at the end. When you normally cut the nutrients, now you're going to give them more light and they're going to go shabang. So you're going to get possibly a bigger, heavier, beefier harvest by giving them a little bit more light. Possibly also they may finish a little bit sooner. So if you can return your plants to a vegetative light cycle, maybe put them, you've got a perpetual grow, so you can't put that room on 12-12. Maybe you can drag these plants you intend on harvesting back into your flowering space and get your next flowering run in there seven to 10 days earlier and re-veg that plant. So that may help you out. That's just an idea, just something that uh, I wouldn't be a friend and wouldn't be a bro and wouldn't be a pro if I didn't add on to your question. So think about the 18.6 at the end. That may be the trick that may help you out. That'll speed up the process Uh, then you won't need to put it into the other pot because you could just cut down most of it and it's only going to be a little bit away after that to get it back into the vegetative state. Um, Yeah, I hope that helps you out. Uh, Give me a follow-up. Let me know which method you decided to do. Let me know if you went for the 18.6. I do love follow-ups. Anybody out there, if you've sent me a question and I've helped you out, I would love a follow-up. My bro, you did not put, uh, let's see, you did say whose name you want. It's up here, Uh, J-Bags. Um, thank you for the great question, bro. I did not say your Instagram name. I do apologize for that. Send me a message if you want a shout out for your Instagram on the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, pimps, hoes, friends, foes, smokers, growers, clone cutters, pollen chuckers, all of you beautiful cannabis enthusiasts out there. I want to thank you once again for listening to another episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. If you have any questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, you know I would love to hear from you. My email address is growfromyourheart at hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Also, make sure you check out the Discord server. That's right. There's a link to the Discord server in the show notes and in the video description. To make it all easy, you can visit the website, iregenetics.com. All things iRead Genetics, all things grow from your heart, all the info, details, everything you need is right there on the website. Check out iRegenetics.com. Join the newsletter. Click the Grow Help tab. Check out the seed vendors. Of course, check out the merchandise. Uh, There's a lot of great stuff happening on the website. I think I've said enough. All right. All right. That is all I've got for you for this episode. You know, I'll be back in a couple of days with fresh new content. I want to give a big shout out to my buddy John at Lollipop Farms. 
And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me. Thank <laughs> you.